book of Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Tonight, again, as we did last week, I want to teach for a little while this evening on kingdom-minded stewardship. Kingdom-minded stewardship. If you have your Bible or device, if you would just set that down or put it in your pocket. And would you ask the Lord to speak to us over the next few moments. Thank you, God. I thank you, God, for your purpose, Lord, that is so far beyond our wildest expectations and dreams. God, the purpose you have for your church and the purpose you have for this local assembly. God, you've already resourced us. It's probably most for much of it already in our possession. And what you would do, Lord, when we turn that over to your Lordship, God, we probably cannot even imagine the advancement of your kingdom and the God, the proclaiming of your gospel around this city and this world on an unprecedented level. Lord, I pray, let it be. Let our lives and hearts be aligned to that purpose, the purpose of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in worship and for the word of the Lord. Cover to cover, what we call the Bible or the Holy Scriptures, this Word of God is replete with teaching on financial uh, stewardship. This Bible from front to back is filled with illustrations of kingdom-minded financial stewardship. But last week we specifically examined Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5 and chapter 6 in what you and I would probably call the Sermon on the Mount. And here in this sermon, Jesus, of course, provided his disciples with that model prayer, and it included foundational principles of his kingdom that are absolutely applicable to how we manage our money and possessions. Jesus said, Hallowed be thy name. He taught them to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thine is the kingdom, power, and glory. That is the foundational principle that should govern and guide our stewardship of the gift of time God has granted unto us, to the abilities that God has equipped us with, and to the financial resources that He puts under our care That is the governing principle for each of us in all that we do and all the unique diversity of our callings and giftings and the places God has planted us. It is all governed by the kingdom of God. First, the kingdom. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Jesus continues, though, and he contrasts kingdom-minded stewardship with self-ruled stewardship, which is always marked and identified by materialism and plagued by anxiety. Jesus said, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Why? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus said, that our hearts inevitably will be drawn to what we value and what we invest in most. Where we invest, there our heart will follow. 
what we, what we value and cherish and therefore spend our time and energies on, that's where our heart is going to be. It's either going to be the materialism and the mission of this world or it's going to be the mission and the security of his world. One or the other is going to guide us and our heart will follow after the way that we go. Jesus said, to make it simple and clear, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So Jesus is pretty clear that it's impossible for me to serve the things of this world and at the same time serve Him. It's either one or the other. He is either Lord of all or He's not the Lord of my life. He then applies His Lordship and the rule of His reign to the anxiety over needs and cares of this life that is certainly natural to our human nature. According to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 and 32, Jesus taught us that in God's kingdom, where He rules and where He reigns, that and where His peace is preeminent, where God's kingdom rules and reigns, that surrendering to the anxiety of trying to self-rule in our life, surrendering to the anxiety of trying to be the king of our own castle, surrendering to an, to an anxiety that says that he, he, I may profess him as Lord, but by my worry and by my actions, I am denying him as my Lord. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, 31 and 32, that when we do that, that is unacceptable in his kingdom because that's what the pagans do. They worry over the security of this world because it's the only thing they have to look to. Their gods cannot speak. Their gods cannot hear. Their gods cannot create. They simply are contained to trying to be their own master. And Jesus said, being your own master and the stress that comes with that is incompatible with my kingdom. So in effect, Jesus was teaching us that persistent worry and persistent anxiety over our security and over our gratification is in essence practical atheism or the denial of his lordship. That word can have all kind of connotations, but effectively when I am denying his lordship in my life, I am saying that God's rule is not in my life. I am denying that God is ruling and reigning in my life And that is practical atheism. Because Peter commanded, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So the Bible says you were not designed to stress. You were not designed to be the God of your own life. 
You were not designed to be the king of your own castle. You were designed to cast your cares. Yes, there's cares. Yes, there's anxieties. Yes, there's uncertainties. But you were designed to cast those cares upon the Lord because He is God, He is Creator, and He cares for you and He cares for I, for me. And last week I stated, quote, when I, when I, when I am stressed out over money, then I am a practicing atheist. Now, that may be a bit strong, especially if taken out of the context of Scripture and out of the context of the message. And if that statement was offensive to you, then I ask you sincerely that you would please forgive me because I do not want my choice of words that I have just repeated to be a stumbling block to you hearing His words. And His word is very clear. Kingdom-minded stewardship is about His Lordship. His word is very clear. He is either the Lord of all or He is not Lord at all. His word is clear that divided loyalty between His kingdom is incompatible with the anxiety of my kingdom. Divided loyalty between heaven and earth is impossible. The peace that is preeminent in His kingdom is not compatible with the anxiety of the kingdom of this age. He is either Lord of all, both in my profession and in my practice, or He is not Lord at all. That's what His Word instructs me. But the Word of God also gives me the incredible invitation and the celebration of covenant, which says that when He is Lord of all, it is a win-win model of financial stewardship. When I simply follow the model of his word and I surrender to his lordship and I do not deny him but I embrace him and I fall humbly before his authority and his throne when I do that it is win-win because Jesus said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you do you believe that this evening Amen. We're talking about kingdom-minded stewardship. He's either Lord or He's not. But when He's Lord, everything that I possess, I am putting and focusing and managing for the sake of the advancement of His kingdom. That He has come to seek and save the lost and to reconcile all things back unto Himself. And I get to play a role in that. I get to be a steward of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I get to be an ambassador of reconciliation. I get to be a mouthpiece of the good news that we are not of this world. We were made to be a part of another world that is to come. But in the world that we live today, we are seeking to establish the kingdom of God. Amen. So this week, 
I want to now turn our attention to, again, the Bible is full. But turn our attention to one specific chapter, Matthew chapter 25. And specifically, the parable of the talents, as it would be commonly called. Where here, we see that the lordship of Jesus Christ, how it plays out in our financial stewardship. Jesus taught in Matthew 25 and verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So the very first kingdom principle that Jesus establishes in this parable is he is the owner. Would you look at your neighbor and tell them he is the The owner. This, of course, is affirmed by all of Scripture. The the psalmist David said this in Psalms 24 and 1. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Ownership. Simple, clear, precise. God is the owner of everything that exists of everything that will ever exist. Uh, he is the owner. He's the owner of time. He's the owner of ability. He's the owner of the treasures and the financial possessions of the whole world. He is the owner. I love the clarity of ownership that marks King David's celebratory prayer when Israel has just followed David's example and they've given this mind-boggling, astounding offering for the construction of the temple, which David was not built, but Solomon would based on the offering that David raised. And after the people had a heart for the kingdom and a heart to build a temple unto the Lord, they gave more than that was enough. David gives this prayer in First Chronicles 29 and 12. And I try to pray this most days in my life. Both riches and honors come from you, and you reign over all, and in your hand is power and might, and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly As this, for all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. O Lord our God, all of this abundance that we have prepared you to build, we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and it is all your own. He is the owner. That is the principle that Jesus is establishing that governs kingdom-minded stewardship. The second principle, though, that goes along with that, that Jesus established, is that since he is the owner, then I am not. I am the manager. 
Would you look at your neighbor again and say, He is the owner, and I am the manager. Jesus continued his parable. To the one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now the monetary value of a talent is varied, or it does vary depending upon the time and even the scholar that's researching it. But essentially it was a large sum of money, not, not anything that you and I would really get our brain around. It was a large sum, somewhere around 6,000 silver denarii. And that means nothing to you and I. Well, how much is that in quarters? I'm not sure. But for comparison's sake, a day laborer would have to work more than 19 years for one talent. That's a lot of wealth. You would like that severance package when you retire, right? So this owner allocated to the one 95 years of salary. And to the other, he allocated 38 years of salary. And to the one, he allocated 19 years of salary. This investment by the owner was not immaterial. It was not insignificant. It was not to be of no effect upon the estate of this owner that he entrusted with these three managers. Furthermore, based on his astute knowledge of each of these managers, it was the owner's prerogative how much he allocated to each manager. He did not have to explain why he gave five to the one and two to the other and one to the third. He allocated as he willed based upon his astute knowledge of each of their their ability to manage what God or what the owner had given unto them. And likewise for you and I, when we examine ourselves as managers, that he is the owner and I am the manager, then we have to understand that the resources that God gives to us is never immaterial. And what God grants to us, God forbid that we devalue it as being insignificant to His kingdom. Because I don't care how low on the totem pole that you may think that you rank in the status of the kingdom. In God's eyes, you are incredibly valuable. You are important. You have a role to play. And He expects you to be profitable doing what He's put in your hands to do. Every resource, from the small to the great, from what we would call uh, amazing or overabundant or wealthy to what we would call insignificant and not enough. Every resource is intended to do one thing, bring Him glory and advance His kingdom. Bring Him glory and advance His kingdom. And so as a manager, whether I think I have a lot or I think I have little, I have one purpose, to bring Him glory and to advance His kingdom. That is the governing principles of a kingdom-minded steward. And for additionally, or 
or in, in, in addition to all, all of that. When we think about that, it's not wise for me to compare how much you have versus how much I have. It's really not my business what God allocated to you. And it's not your business what God allocated to me. And I can't be mad at you for what God gave you and didn't give me. And you can't be mad at me for what God gave me and didn't give you. We have all been allocated what God understood that we could manage and be faithful to bring Him glory and advance His kingdom. As Creator, He's our owner. As Redeemer, He is our owner twice over. We belong to Jesus Christ and we are managers of of his stuff. And the story continues. Jesus said, And he who had received the five talents went, traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went, dug in the ground, and hid his Lord's money. Notice that every manager, all three managers, were granted the freedom to determine how best to manage the resources that God entrusted to them. There was no prescriptive plan for how they were to manage what God put in their hand or what the owner put in their hand. The owner said, you have five and you have two and you have one and I'm going to take a trip and when I come back, you're accountable to make sure my estate has advanced. Do what is best or what you know is wise to do. And so these managers, commissioned, resourced by the owner, the first two managers exhibit what would be a proper kingdom priority. They managed their resources. They invested their resources. They spent the funds given to them. And they allocated what God had given to them back for the purpose of his kingdom. And there was a clear expectation. Everything that the steward or the manager with five and everything the steward or the manager with two, everything they did, they did with a clear expectation that the owner is coming back. And when he comes back, I want to make sure that how I have managed what he gave to me, he's entrusted me with this, and therefore I want to make sure that I am maximizing and utilizing the resources he's given to me, that I might advance his estate. And so they diligently work to grow and maximize, and the Bible says that they doubled. But this third manager, he, on the other hand, exhibited a total disregard for the owner's estate. Profit was not a priority, but self-serving preservation driven by fear was his priority. And just like those managers, the two and the one in the parable, you and I, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are privileged to be stewards of God's mission on this earth. We have the privilege to be ambassadors of reconciliation. You and I are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this world was created by Him and for Him. But it was separated. Mankind, humanity was separated from God. But God had a plan of redemption. And He came Himself to reconcile all 
things back unto Himself. And now you and I are God's mission on planet Earth to establish in the present the kingdom that will be in eternity. And But we are managers of God's work and managers of God's mission. That is the privilege of you and I this evening. David said, or the psalmist said in Psalms 8, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. You and I, as the children of the Master, we have been empowered to act in his stead. We have been empowered as business managers over his stuff. He has entrusted to people like you and I all the resources of his kingdom, trusting us that we will advance it for his glory and the accomplishment of his purpose. As Moses would remind the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 8 and 18. But remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth the power to get wealth. It is God who has empowered you as business managers over your money and your possessions. Remember the Lord. Seek first the kingdom. What an incredible privilege. What a high honor that God chose you and God chose me in all of our failings, in all of our shortcomings, on our bad days, in our seasons where we just kind of wander around melancholy and not living with purpose. Yet God chose us to be the business managers of the greatest thing that has ever been on the planet, the eternal kingdom of God. That's a privilege and that's an honor. He is the owner, but you and I, we get to be the managers of the kingdom of God. He's the owner. I am the manager and that makes me accountable. He is the owner. I am the manager And that makes me accountable. You see, regardless of the amount that God entrusts to us, regardless that He's given us the privilege of management, with that privilege comes responsibility. With the privilege and the honor to be an agent of God, a manager of God's resources, there does come the responsibility of accountability. That we are accountable to God and we are accountable for how we manage His stuff and we are accountable for how we work to expand His kingdom. The story continues back in the parable we go. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came And he gave an account of what he had been granted. And then he gave an account of what he had done with what he had been granted. He said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents and I gained five more besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Ninety-five years of salary is not a few in my world. But Jesus, in the kingdom of God and in the scope of eternity, even the the wildest amount of wealth 
that you could ever fathom that God would entrust you with. In light of the reward of eternity, it is, it is true for the master or the Lord to say, you have been faithful in little, a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That is what we want to hear. The manager entrusted with the two talents came forward, gave the same report. You gave me two, I now have four. He received the same great news. Thou good and faithful servant, receive or enter into the joy of the Lord. But then we come to verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. This third manager, he doesn't, he doesn't give an account of what he received. He doesn't give an account of what he, the prophet, he immediately begins to justify his conduct. Instead of investing with the confidence in who the owner was, instead of investing and going to work in empowered that the owner trusts me, the owner believes in me, the owner has empowered me to do a work for his estate, this steward, this manager had succumbed to the fear that he would lose what he had. It's the fear of this age, the fear of this world. It's the fear that if I don't hoard it and protect it, if I don't bury it, if I don't sit on it, if I don't stress over it, then somehow I might lose it. And the owner said, you wicked and lazy servant. Not my words. You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap and you knew that I gather. You ought to have least deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received See back mine with interest. In other words, you knew that I expected a profit. I didn't ask you to, get, to have 10 when I came back. I didn't ask you to have four. I just asked you to make the one be profitable. You didn't even have to double it, but you had to do something with it that was for my glory and advancing my kingdom. But you didn't, you didn't allow me to be the Lord and the owner of, of what I gave you. You took possession. You buried You were fearful, therefore you have been unfaithful to my work. And in verse 30, he said, Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Some of Matthew's favorite expressions for what you and I would call a place called hell. This owner's response, It is all that I need. And it is all that you should need for me and for you to clearly understand that the seriousness of God's expectation that we faithfully manage our money and that we faithfully manage our possessions for his glory and the advancement of his kingdom. It is not just a temporary matter. It's not just insignificant. No matter how little you may think that God has given unto you, God expects that you take it and you manage it and you invest it and you use 
it for his glory and you bring a prophet to his kingdom. It was Jesus who said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's not just a suggestion. It is a command. It is Paul who would say in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Faithful to the call. Faithful to the purpose of the mission. Faithful to advance the work of Jesus Christ. So you and I, as kingdom-minded stewards, we must manage every resource that God has given to us. We must manage it with an expectation that the owner is soon to return. Every day, I must live with eternity in view. Every day, I must understand, I can't take off today. I can't cave to my carnality today. I can't go into a season where I serve my own self-interest. I don't want to be called being unfaithful to the work of the kingdom. He's coming back. And so with an expectation of the return of Jesus Christ, we manage what he's placed in our possession and we manage it for his glory and we manage it to do his work on this, in this earth. He is the owner and I am the manager and that makes me accountable. We're not the owner, that's established. But neither are we mindless robots. You see, for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the billions of souls that do not know Him as their Lord and Savior, God, in His infinite wisdom that He he chose to grant unto you and I wide latitude for how we manage the money and the possessions that God has entrusted to our care. Sometimes we would have preferred that God have inspired a chapter that said you give this percentage to that and this percentage to that and you invest in that and if you do, nothing else matters. Your ticket is punched. You're a good steward. But God is the Lord of all. And so he just said, I'm the Lord of all. You know my purpose. I've given you the commission of the gospel. I've given you Matthew 25, the expectation that you care for the poor, that you clothe the naked, that you visit the imprisoned, that you that you care for the sick and pray for the sick. I've given you all the mandates and the commission and the purpose of my kingdom that you need. Now I give you the latitude to go and to be fruitful and to multiply and to see the work of God expand in your world. If I plant you in that neighborhood, there do the work. If I move you to that neighborhood, there be faithful. If I put you in that field of labor, be faithful. If I call you to this other field, be faithful. If wherever I place you, just be faithful to the mission and the cause. But with that latitude, you and I are accountable. And that is why as members of a local assembly, we have to be careful that we never succumb to the temptation of our humanity to compare ourselves 
one to another. It's easy to say, well, if I had their money to manage, then I would be a good steward. It's easy to say, well, if I had their easy job, and if I didn't have the stress of my job, I'd be a better steward. But that I can't be a good steward for you, and you can't be a good steward for me. I'm accountable for what God has placed in my hands. And it's going to vary that we are one body but many members. And how we manage the stuff God gives us is going to be as unique as the giftings God has placed in us. None of us should copycat the other except with one thing, that we're kingdom-minded and we seek first the kingdom. And in all that we do, we seek to bring glory to God. To some, God would grant wealth and many possessions for the profiting of his kingdom. To others, he would graciously grant modest income and few possessions for the profiting of his kingdom. Whether he gives much or he gives little, it is for the profiting of his kingdom. For some, a profitable enterprise in this world for the kingdom of God means that they are investing in a higher education so that they can be missionaries to a vocational field that nobody else is going to go to and so that God can grant it to them rich returns of income and they can generously invest in the ministries of the gospel around the world. For others, profitable enterprise for the sake of the kingdom of God may be more entrepreneurial oriented where they invest or reinvest in the resources of their resources in a business not for self-gratification not for ever increasing personal consumption but to provide a growing base of generous and sacrificial giving to the kingdom of God and the spread of the gospel around the world for others profitable enterprise for the kingdom is to prudently manage their modest income and their few possessions with contentment so that they can dedicate their time and their giftings to the kingdom of God and to serving others. For others, the profitable enterprise for the kingdom of God is to be wise and to save for retirement with prudence and in alignment with kingdom principles so that when you hit retirement, you do not retire from ministry, but you are empowered and able to engage in ministry like never before. How we manage our finances and how we manage our stuff will vary by the callings and the places that God has planted us. That what matters though is that in the end, regardless of the amount God grants and regardless of the abilities God gives, it is all about my faithfulness to God. It is all about, did I bring glory to his name? Did I advance his mission? Did I, was I a living witness of his gospel? That's what matters in the end. He is the owner. And I am the manager. And that makes me accountable. Amen? Our worship team is coming now. Kingdom-minded, God-pleasing, eternally rewarding financial stewardship is all about His Lordship. It's about His Lordship not just over the tithe and not just over the offerings. It's about His Lordship over 100% of the resources that God allocates to us. 
It is thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What amazing confidence. Might I say what undeserved confidence. Confidence that God, God, God chose to place his resources in our hands to manage for his kingdom. That is more than I can get my brain around that God would choose you and I to be the managers of the resources of this world, not for just our own self-gratification and not just for our own purposes and our own self-glory, but for the sake of the kingdom, for the advancement of the gospel and for the glory of God. So when I look into the mirror of the word of God and when I stand in the holy presence of my Lord and my Savior, it is the words of the Christian missionary William Carey that I want to ring in my heart and spirit. He said, attempt great things for God and expect great things for God. If I'm the manager and I have latitude to bring profit for his kingdom, then oh God, don't let me dream small. Don't let me bury what you've given me, but let me dream big. Let me set sights on something that's unprecedented. Let me attempt to do great things for the glory of God. Let me dream God beyond the boundaries of my human mind. For you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think. You're able to do an unprecedented work. So as a manager, God, I stand before your word and I stand in your holy presence and I acknowledge that you're the owner and I acknowledge that I am merely the manager and I acknowledge that I am accountable. So I ask you, Lord, I'm blown away that you would have confidence in me, but God, let me have something that rises up within me that that dreams big something that rises up within me that is brave and is willing to set out and tackle a new adventure for the glory of God something rise up within me that says no I'm not going to succumb to fear I'm not just going to do what I've always done I know that God has gifted me with some resources so I'm going to start that business I'm going to go back to school and get that education I'm going to I'm going to be content where I'm working even though I don't like it because God's put me there and I'm the missionary to that floor of the hospital. I'm the only person that's going to be a missionary the third shift. Oh God, I'm a manager. God, I may not have a lot of wealth, but what I have, I manage it prudently. I return my tithe. I give generously and sacrificially and I will be content because God, I just have to be faithful. Whatever you give, I just have to be faithful. Kingdom minded stewardship God I want to hear him say and if you're able please stand I want to hear him say well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things I will make you ruler over many things enter into the joy of your Lord oh 
that is what I want to hear. And so, God, give us a Holy Ghost bravery. God, let there be a Holy Ghost confidence. Lord, I pray by the power of your Spirit, you would drive out fear that would cause us to bury our resources. I pray that God, by the power of his word, would would correct us where we need to be corrected. And if we've been managing what is left over, if we've been managing the 90 or the 100 for our own consumption, if we find ourselves stressed out, which is an indicator that we're trying to be the Lord of all, then that we would just simply humble ourselves before God and say, God, you gave me this. You put this in my care. So you will give me peace to make right decisions. You will give me peace to manage this for your glory and for your profit and for your kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That is the driving factor of kingdom-minded stewardship. He's the owner. I get to be the manager. And that makes me 